Hello, 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 and welcome to the Scripts and Scribes live stream podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us, as always. Our guest next Saturday is Stargate and Utopia Falls writer-producer-showrunner Joseph Malazzi. That's next Saturday, July 24th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 Eastern. But today we've got on a lit manager who is a fellow graduate of USC's film school. Uh, she was formerly the VP of development at Luc Besson's studio, Europa Corp, head of development at Rock, Paper, Scissors, exec producer at prominent social media company Arsenic TV, and co-produced films such as The Backup Plan for CBS and Hope Springs for Mandate. Gonna catch my breath here. She's also worked as an exec at Allison Shearmer Productions at Lionsgate and worked on films such as The Pursuit of Happiness, The Taking of Pelham 123, Knowing, The Great Debaters, and others. After beginning her career at Escape Artists at Sony, she's currently a lit manager and producer at Heroes and Villains. She is Chris Coggins. Welcome to the podcast. Chris, I can catch my breath now. It's great to have you on. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I sound really impressive. Wow. So nice. <laughs> no, you had so many things. And I'm sure I left things out, but I just, I had to... I would pass out if I kept going and going and going. Um, so thank you for coming on the podcast today. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to be here. Um, before we get started in uh, talking all about, uh, you know, your your career and everything, uh, I wanted to let the audience members know that if you're in the live stream and you have questions for Chris about representation, development, production, whatever, drop them in the chat below and we'll get to them as soon as we can. Uh, but now, uh, I first wanted to get down to the bottom of it, the, just right at the beginning, start off with the mm -hmm. beginning of your career. How did you get your start in the industry? Uh, and then also, how did you end up as a lit rep at Heroes and Villains? Because you have a wide range of experience, both uh, on the buying side, the selling side, the production mm -hmm. side, development, yeah. representation, okay. everywhere along the line. So. My spiel? Okay. Yeah, um, please. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, after I, uh, I was a senior at USC in the film school, which I loved right on. And right on. Uh, a friend a friend of mine, Megan, actually had an internship with escape artists. And she it was unpaid. And she found another internship that was paid. So she was going to go do mm. that one instead. And so she asked me if I wanted it. And so I came in to interview and they gave me the internship. So I was an intern at escape artist for part of junior and most of senior year. And then after I graduated, they hired me. So um, and then I just moved up and up and up as I worked there in development and production. Um, what was the second part of the question? Uh, well, how did you go from oh. working as, you know, at escape mm -hmm. artists all the way, yeah. you know, to being where you are now? To being Again, a manager? Yeah. 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 So um, I, I learned a lot at escape artists. I had a really good time there, worked on a bunch of movies, uh, had a lot of really great experiences with a lot of really great people. Uh, those guys really taught me, you know, how to read a script, how to break it down, how to, you know, read a schedule and a budget and, uh, to really hone my taste. Hmm. Um, so that was really good. That was, that was great. And then working for Allie, uh, she really taught me how to sell. She really taught me how to present a project, um, refine my taste even more. She was a very special person. Um, and uh, yeah, she really, she taught me how to present something to the studio, how to sell something, which was great. And then at Rock Paper, they were starting up the division when I was there and it was mostly doing the same thing that I'd done development and production. But what I really got to learn there was it was it's also a editing uh, studio and mm -hmm. they had a design studio and a production studio. So I got to learn all kinds of stuff there, like, you know, what's smoke and what's flame and mm. how to how to present. A, uh, even though I didn't present anything on the marketing side, I, I got to watch them as I worked with clients and, and put together like 
these amazing campaigns. And it was really, it was really interesting. And Angus was great. Um, he's a award-winning editor, and and that's my favorite part of the of the process is is getting into the booth and like really putting everything together. Mm-hmm. And then um, at at Europa Corps, I really liked it there because I, I liked my coworkers were very lovely. But uh, it was a very specific mandate. It was movies that were had to be uh, five to fifty million dollars in budget. They had to be sci-fi, action, crime, thriller, maybe drama if it was the right thing. And they had to have European or EU passport directors to take advantage of the tax oh. credits and rebates there. So it was a very specific mandate, which I really liked. Uh, it was just really easy to know what a Europa Corps movie was and what it wasn't. And then after that, Archnick was fun because I got to, I didn't really know anything about Snapchat and social media. Right. And yeah, I just, I didn't, I really didn't know. And there, our mm. budgets were really small. And I kind of liked that challenge. Uh, I had produced like a, a couple music videos and PSAs just for people or for fun or for whatever it was on, on super low budgets and a short film too that my friend Amitabh and I made for we tried to make it for zero dollars everybody donated my mom was crafty like it's great um so I kind of like that at Arsenic is this challenge of how do you make this fun interesting content that that people want to engage with on a really small budget mm-hmm. so that was that was really interesting but uh I was I was itching to get back into working with a team and a couple of management companies had approached me over the years to say like, you know, we think you'd be a good manager. And I was just like, I don't know what, I don't really know what that is. And that's not what I do. And I just, I didn't think I'd be any good at it. But then I was talking to two and I, it was, it's an entrepreneurial kind of job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uses my same skills from development and production. And it's the same, you know, people. It's just talking to executives and produce, producers and agents in a different way. Mm-hmm. So, and I have a high adaptability quotient, I think. So I was able, I thought, I thought maybe I can do this. So I was talking to two companies and then I called up my friend, Mikhail Nafeld, who's the founder of Heroes and Villains. And he started the company with Marcus and Dick almost 15 years ago, I think. And we have known each other since we were both assistants. I think he was at ICM or Mandate and I was at Escape Artist. Hmm. And he, those guys are, he's like my brother. And I was like, hey, Mikhail, tell me the truth. Do you think I'd be any good at this job? And he said, I think you'd be really good at it. I think you've already been doing it. You just didn't realize you were but don't go anywhere else, come here, we love you, we'll teach you what you don't know, we'll help you find clients, and you know, let's go have fun and work hard and play hard. And I was a little nervous because he's such a good friend and I, I didn't, if it didn't work out, I didn't want that to ruin our friendship. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, you're so sweet, it won't. You're, and he was right. And four years later, I'm really very happy with where I am, I, I do, love my colleagues and my coworkers. They're lovely, wonderful people who really do want to make good product and they're, they're just very good humans. So I'm very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a few more questions for you, but there's one from the chat that I think is sort of important. Uh, hmm. uh, uh, someone asks, ask Chris who her favorite writer is and why it's Jonathan Stokes. <laughs> <laughs> is that Stokes saying that? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I do love Stokes. He's great. Yeah. He's, he's a lovely human being. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite writer. Like, that's such a big topic. Um, but uh, it'll be Stokes. Yeah, it's Stokes. Yeah, definitely. we'll just leave sure. it at Stokes. Yeah, yeah that's, we'll that's, leave it at Stokes. That's the now. right yeah. answer. Um, <laughs> so, as a lit rep, what are what's the best part of your job? And then, what is also probably the most challenging part of your job? Uh, most challenging part of my job is getting people to read because there's just, there's 
so much, so many scripts that I know executives have to read. Like I was on that side and I totally get it. I understand. Mm -hmm. um, I, they have a finite amount of time and, and they want, they want to say yes. They want to say, yes, I'll read this. Yes, I'll make this. They just can't always. Mm -hmm. um, so that's probably the hardest part of my job. The best part of my job is when I have a great script from a client who I love and I get to take it out and I just get to shout from the mountaintops. You have to read this. It's wonderful. It's amazing. It's, you have to read it. And then getting those responses back. Like I just, I'm taking that. I have a pitch out right now and I hardly ever take out pitches because they're just so hard to do. They're just, it has to be high concept. It has to be based on IP. It has to be, you know, the writer, the writing has to be great in the sample and the writer has to be a good pitcher, which is a totally different thing. Like writers are used to either being in a room or with, with other writers pitching and, and figuring out the TV show, mm -hmm. or they're used to being in their room by themselves. Like it's two different things. So it's just so hard to do a pitch. And I, I was, at first I was hesitant to take it out, but the sample, the writer's amazing. He's just, I'm like, I, where did you come from? Uh, the, the writing's amazing. There's a book it's based on, there's a, a showrunner attached and it's the best pitch I've literally ever heard. And I've heard a lot of pitches. And that's how I call executives and I send an email and I'm like, hi, I have a pitch for you. A pitch? Yes, a pitch. I'm actually giving you a pitch. I never do this. You have to hear it. It's the best thing ever. And everybody who's heard it has agreed. So I'm like, sweet, I'm right. Um, I haven't sold it yet, but that's okay. Because it's also a period piece with a closeted male lead. Uh, it's 1940s Chicago. All the, like it's like, there's music element. There's a nightclub element. Like it's just all the things that make everything so difficult and so expensive to do but i'm like nope it's the best pitch i've ever heard i'm taking it out i'm finding a, i'm finding the buyer for it i'm finding a home that's my favorite thing is just finding a great project or a great script that i'm just like i know this is amazing i cannot wait for everybody to read it and then my client gets to have you know all these great meetings and hopefully it gets made someday so right. that's my favorite part no and that's that's great to hear because so often Agents and managers, representatives are, are looked at as just salespeople in a very traditional sense. Like you get mm -hmm. a project, you sell it, you make money that and you move on to the next one. It's, it's, it's refreshing to see reps who are passionate about something, about a client's work, about a script, about mm -hmm. a project, whatever. And it whether it sells or not, your, your, your passion level doesn't change for what it is inherently. You may have mm -hmm. to move on to the next one if it doesn't sell based on market yeah. conditions or things out of your control, but it doesn't change mm -hmm. your enthusiasm for the project of the writer. And I think that's, that's pretty amazing. So. Yeah. It's um, yeah. It really, you. And you know, the second thing is, is when my client gets a job, I remember when my client, Sarah Beckett, she, it's a really hard to go from writer's assistant to staff writer. It's just mm -hmm. a really hard jump to make. Right. And she made it. And I was so excited. I was just so happy for her. We closed the deal. She's starting in the room. I think it was Resident Alien. It's such a, and it's such a great show. And it turned out to be a great experience for her. And I was out to dinner with my husband, and I was like, Sarah got a job. Blah blah blah. I'm so excited for her. And he's like, You get paid, right? And I was like, Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Which is great. But it just was, yeah. That makes me sound so Pollyanna. But that's really what happened. So, it's just. Because my my clients can do something I can't do. I mm -hmm. wish I could. I really, I wish I could write something. I wish I could direct something. Like I can give you a great like sarcastic comment like that. I can do, but to like write a scene that has um, meaning and heart and or is thrilling or mysterious or something like it's just I can't do it. And I'm just so in awe of them that they can. So if I have a little part in their success, it 
just, it makes me happy. I, I would rather be the person thanked than the person accepting the award. No, that's awesome. Plus, as you had mentioned, it's not an easy jump. Like, it sounds like, oh, you become a writer's assistant, you become a staff writer. But sure. you know how, you know the battles in the trenches and how long it takes. So it's an accomplishment mm-hmm. to get that done, to make that jump. On your part, yeah. all the work you have to put in and all the work mm-hmm. that the writer has to put in. So it's a huge achievement. Um, yeah. So that's, it, that's amazing. I mean, there, it's really like staffing season is just crazy. And, and it's like, there's, you know, 400 new shows and like, or there's like 40 new shows every podcast season, which is like, 400 jobs that's not a lot right it's really really not yeah um and then all the shows that get canceled those writers are looking for work now too so mm-hmm. it's definitely uh it's such a difficult job yeah uh, this is a question that i think a lot of writers would be would love an answer to other than brilliant writing which i'm sure most writers out there think at some point their writing is um, how can a writer stand out to you in a very crowded field? Like, what impresses you in regards to a writer if you're already a fan of their work? Uh, first of all, be a good human. You know, be nice to everybody, recycle, mm-hmm. you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, be a good human. Definitely be a good human. That's I look for good writing or good directing first. Be a good human second. But also have a really distinct point of view. Mm-hmm. That was something Ali Shermer really taught me about is like, what's the point of view? What's the theme? You know, all that stuff. But it's be loud and have, you know, tell a crazy story. Like I have a client, Harry, who has a script um, about a, a, a murderous killer soft puppet. So which like, okay, I know, like, he's it's amazing. He's, uh, he's a stop motion animated stop motion animator. Hmm. And his wife is a, uh, is a, a stuffed animal designer. And so oh. they have this like, garage full of stuff. And one day he sent me and Ben, my colleague, Benjamin, um, a picture of a Argyle sock with some teak sewn to it. And he's like, is there something here? And I'm like, yeah, let's go write that. <laughs> and it's a great script and like, it's bonkers. And it's, but it is also about this woman who's, you know, is about the perils of fame and what does mm. it mean to want to be famous? She starts doing an act with it. Uh, and it's just loud and, but heartfelt and emotional and it catches people's attention. So, I mean, he's gotten, I don't know how many general meetings off that script, but and we haven't sold it yet, but he's gotten other jobs from it. So right. be loud, uh, be specific, tell your story, know what your story is, which is really, really hard to do. And uh, I like when people have a life and they go do stuff. They go sailing, they learn how to cook, they go to uh, art galleries, and, you know, they take in, I don't know, homeless people. I Maybe not that, maybe that. But yeah, have a, have a loud, distinct voice, have something to say, and be a good human. Mm-hmm. No, that's good advice. <laughs> you wouldn't think you'd have to say that, but in today's mm-hmm. day and age, it's uh, nice to emphasize that. Uh, yeah, go get your heart broken and, and write about it. What are, are some, what are some uh, things that writers should know before they submit? a query or submit material to someone in the industry? Hmm. Well, they should have one solid script. Mm -hmm. Don't send 10. Don't even send five. Maybe two. Maybe two log lines. But make sure that you have one really solid script. Mm -hmm. And you'll probably have to write like 100, maybe not 100, but a lot of scripts before getting to that script. Don't send something that that says, Here's 10, 10 scripts and 10, 10 different genres. Cause mm-hmm. that's just telling me you're scattershot. You're just like trying to find something. You don't know what you're, 
voice is because writing is really hard. It's not, it's really, really hard. And yeah, you have to really know what your voice is. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely be as specific as possible and know the odds and don't take anything personally. Like if, if I don't write back or something, it's because I've gotten 30 other queries that day. And then I have to deal with my third client. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's, it's, understand that it's nothing is ever personal. What are some misconceptions that newer writers that emerging writers have about what a lit manager can and can't do for them? Hmm. Well, probably, I mean, a, a manager doesn't get you a job. Hmm. We don't, we're not headhunters. We're not agents. We're not lawyers. We are really there to give you the lay of the land, guide your career, figure out what that path is moving forward figure out what your voice is, help you develop your ideas into scripts, whether it be series, feature, short film, what have you, and give you advice. And my, my most successful clients are not the ones who say, I really need a job. My most successful clients are the ones who just write all the time. So, gosh, I'm not sure what other misconceptions there might be out there. I mean, it's just, it's a really, really hard job. Things take a really long time. Mm -hmm. They just do. I hate it. I'm so impatient. I think patience is overrated, like sand, and I don't like it. But I know that that's how this, how it goes. Uh, one of my most prolific clients, we've been working together for three and a half years now, and we just started making money together like a couple months ago. Wow. So it takes a really long time. Mm -hmm. And, but if you're patient and you do the work, there are no overnight successes. There really aren't. Unless you're someone who comes from a lot of money that can buy your way in. And there are many examples of that in Hollywood. Like it's a definite thing for sure. But there are no overnight successes. It, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't happen. Um, just be patient, do the work, understand the odds, have a, have a realistic view of how Hollywood works. And Hollywood's very conservative. It's, it's, it takes a long time for things to change. It takes a long time for anything to happen. It's, I, I think of it like a cruise ship, like, you know, it's like so like fun and full of like mm -hmm. interesting people and entertaining and food and whatever, but it takes forever to turn. So just remember that, you know, there's, there's no overnight success, put it in your time, be patient, be nice to everyone because it's a very small town. It's a big world, but a very small town. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take time. It's just going to take time. What should be in a query? How long or short should it be? Short. Because <laughs> we get that a lot. Yeah. Uh, it should be short. Uh, <laughs> you can tell when, like, you don't need, don't, you don't need to compliment the person you're writing. Like, we know that you're sending this out to a hundred people. Like, you don't have to say like, I followed your career and I love what you've done with your clients. But you don't know what I've done with my Like, I know you're sending that to everybody. It's totally fine. Hey, Chris, here's the thing. Uh, log line comps what it's what it is like mm. it's in the vein of the godfather meets oceans 11 mm. well that would be interesting yeah um uh maybe a little bit about yourself to to make me laugh hopefully i wish i could find I, I might have the best query letter ever i was from when i was an escape artist and my colleague lance johnson got the same query letter and i can't remember what it said but it just it made me laugh it was just short and funny and it was a script called freshly popped by a writer megan parsons and it was about a girl woman girl 18 so on the cusp 
who worked at a movie theater and she wanted to lose her virginity before going to college. Hmm. And I remember that it was, it was very succinct. It was the log line and she just made me chuckle. And we, we both thought it was a great query letter and we requested the script. It was great. And Megan was a lovely, and she probably still is a lovely human. And we sold this, we, hmm. we sold the project to Overture. So I say be unique. That's so hard to do, but just short and sweet and try to entertain me, try to grab my attention in some way. Yeah. How many queries would you say you get on average in a week? Per day? Uh, oh. Or a day or a week, whatever, on average. Maybe like 10 a day. Okay. Yeah. It's still quite a, a, so quite a few to weed through. Quite a through. few. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And what is sort of the protocol if somebody queries you with uh, a log line, a script, doesn't get a response, at what point can they query you again with something different? Something different. Um, whenever they have something different. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I know some reps have said that uh, they prefer a longer wait because there's no way you did something new in between, and so this is your second best script. You know, that... that <laughs> but, I mean, the log line could be different, and you might respond to a log line because... differently. I don't know. And I, honestly, mm -hmm. I mean, I've been honest this whole time, but honestly, I'm not going to remember the name. I'm just, I'm not, because I get, I have to, I get, you know, hundred emails a day, mm -hmm. 10 of them are, like, I'm not going to remember the person's name, so it's right. not going to matter. Well, that's good. That sounds terrible. Yeah, but yeah, no. Um, okay, so I had a, a brief debate with someone on uh Twitter, a, a, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to relay it to you. It wasn't. It, it was just something about representation and about okay. uh, getting read and about knowing when your material is good enough. Uh, and my position was that you, as a manager, are not there to guide, uh, teach a writer to help them get their material to the point where it can be read by other industry individuals. I mean, it, it, to get to the point where it's ready to go out, yes. But to get to them saying, hey, this is my first script. Is it professional enough to send out to people? Um, they Their take was, I wrote a script. How will I know it's good enough to go to industry people if a manager doesn't read it, like it, and tell me it's good enough to go to other people? Um, but... So can you talk to us a little bit about like at what level should a script, like how can a, a writer know a script is of the, the professional level to where you may actually consider it versus, you know, I'm just sending you something. Tell me if it's good enough or not. You know, give me, I'm sending it to you, read it, give me some feedback. Let me know if my query is good enough, if my script's good enough, and then what we can do with it from there. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. Does that make oh, sense? Two things. Yeah. Yeah. Two things. Writers start writers starting off, they should be reading a lot of scripts. Mm -hmm. There mm -hmm. are plenty of them on the internet. You can get the blacklist if you need like there are plenty of great scripts around. They should be reading. So they should have an idea of what a great script is. Even though that is a subjective thing. But like there are some like Aaron Sorkin, like we know it's good. Um, <clears throat> so you should be reading those scripts and hopefully comparing your scripts to other scripts. Maybe you've gone to film school, maybe not. Sometimes film school's good, sometimes it's terrible. Anyway, so 
I come from a development background, so mm -hmm. that's just how I manage. I, I'm used to going draft, 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 mm -hmm. notes, 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 to, until it gets to the point where we can sell it or take it to a studio or what right. have you. So that's just how I, I, that's just how I do it. There are other managers who don't. They don't either have that background or they they just don't manage that way. So that's just how I personally do it. And but is there a certain level of professionalism mm -hmm. in terms of the writing? that mm -hmm. you would need before signing a client? Like even if you felt the script was a little clunky or didn't accomplish everything you were expecting, you, you could see how it could be improved uh, mm -hmm. or maybe you didn't like the specific uh, genre or you didn't like the specific whatever mm -hmm. uh, uh, of that particular script, it didn't grab you in that, but you knew it was good writing. Mm -hmm. um, it's just something you kind you hone after a while mm -hmm. of reading you know, thousands of scripts over your career. And you can just sort of tell that this person has it or right. this person doesn't. Usually it's a character thing. Mm -hmm. If I really am interested in what that character, that main character is doing, mm -hmm. if that character has an arc, has an internal struggle, an external struggle, if the script is, is has a thesis that's arguing, if the script, I, there's just some sort of raw something that mm -hmm. comes across, which it's unteachable, which is why it's unexplainable, which is why I'm not really helpful with this answer. But like, for instance, a client of mine, Laura Kostan, she uh, came to me from CAA last year and she came, she comes from the tech world and, and production world and didn't go to film school, had probably read some scripts, but she, when I started reading, so I was like, you know, whatever, I, this person comes from, like, I, whatever, I'll read it because it came from somebody, an agent who I really liked. Mm -hmm. And I started reading it and I thought, oh, whoa, this person is just fully formed as a writer. Like, this is incredible. I have to, I have to, you know, turn everything off and pay attention to what the script is. And it's, I think it's brilliant. I think she's a brilliant writer. She just happens to have it. Mm -hmm. So that can happen. It just, she knows how to tell a story. She's an avid reader. So that probably really helps. So I mean, there isn't really like a level. There's like a there's a rawness, there's a, a unique voice to it. There's, and then there's, you know, me having a conversation with that writer to see if they're open to notes, if they're mm -hmm. open to changes and what they can do with the notes I give them. So sort of an intangible thing, which is not a really helpful answer. Well, I mean, I guess it comes down to we, a lot of newer writers, a lot of emerging mm -hmm. writers, fall into a trap where their script may or may not be ready for prime time <clears throat> mm -hmm. in terms of the, the level of experience, maybe their first script or their second script, but they mm -hmm. believe that it's good because they're still in that Dunning-Kruger thing. They don't know what they don't know, right? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And so, uh, but they burn reads. They send scripts that are wholly not ready to be mm -hmm. read to reps and you may or may not remember their name, but I know a number of managers who've said mm -hmm. that they, you know, if something is bad there, there's a chance that they could remember it and that writer and yes. then just block them or move on. Never. So I, I how do you, how do we writers prevent group... writers from doing that? <laughs> have a, I think have a writer's group mm -hmm. for sure. Have a like, you know, four or five other writers who you read their scripts and you take their notes and you take their advice. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that you can find a good group for that. And if there's, you know, a consensus of that group of those five people that this is good, then that can be really helpful. I think maybe maybe submitting it to to screenplay competitions can be good. But you also do want to submit it when you already know that it's good. So, <laughs> yeah, I 
it's a really it's it's a really hard thing to judge of like when is this actually ready to go out mm -hmm. and it's yeah there's really not a great answer i'm so sorry i don't have no no and, and i think there's different readiness to go out in mm -hmm. different levels like mm -hmm. readiness to be seen by anybody in a professional sense or be seen by anybody like their writer's group. And then mm -hmm. in a professional sense by potentially mm -hmm. managers or, or screenplay competitions. And then the professional sense of you and, you know, like a rep uh, and or decides it's ready to be seen mm -hmm. by executives and other people. Yeah. They're each, each level I think is, is different, but I think a lot of writers jump the gun and probably, you know, get it seen before it's ready to be seen before it's been sort of vetted by other sources mm -hmm. other than friends or family or whoever um mm -hmm. you know especially when they I, haven't yeah. written a lot yeah i think <clears throat> yeah it is hit or miss it's 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 a really difficult thing to know yeah. when it's ready to go out like i have some writers who they send me their first draft and it's brilliant and i have some who send me you know act by act by act and we go you know yeah through everything and, until until we get it so i i i can understand the i can sympathize with that process i just can't empath i mean i lance and i wrote one script once because we were like 20, we were still at it. We were assistants at a state artist and we were like 23. And you know, we were, we knew what we were doing. Mm -hmm. We'd gone to film school and like, we knew what we were doing, but we were, you know, we were reading for our boxes and we were passing on stuff. And we, so we, we have this conversation, like, man, these people are like adults and they're like putting their heart and soul into this project. And mm -hmm. like, we're just 23 and like, we are passing on stuff and who are we to know? So we like, we said, well, let's write a script together and see, just to see, if we just to see from that side of, of it what it was and i remember sitting on on in my desk in my tiny little apartment and like trying we figured like we figured out the story <clears throat> and it was like it would never sell because it had it was had old folks and kids and animals at night like it was just not gonna there's no way that's gonna sell it's way too expensive and sitting looking at that blank page knowing that i had to put words on it that made sense and that i was really really daunting like and then i just like i shoved it up to lance i was like hey can you start writing the first five and like i'll write the second five. Mm -hmm. and that that kind of worked for us but it was it was really daunting and it took a long time and it was i mean the script was fine but it, it was just it was really really hard and i was lucky that i had a, a person to write with and that i was already at a company where my bosses would read it so I really, really sympathize with writers because it's just, it's hard, but you kind of just have to take that leap and just send it. And to know that this isn't your only script you're ever going to write. Right. It's yes. Be, be protective of them, but don't be precious with them. Like right. writers write, they write all the time. Like Noga writes a script every like six months, six months. And luckily they're all in development and get somewhere, which is great. But just, you know, you're going to keep writing and don't, don't be as precious with it. And if something is really precious to you, if it's like, this is my story and this is really personal and it has to be done a specific way, then wait, hmm. wait with that one, put it in a drawer, keep working on it, but don't send it out. If that, if that is your one thing that you love that no one else can write, no one else can do, don't take it out until you've taken out, you know, five other things and see how they do. Hmm. Right. There's no rush. It feels like there is, but yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. It's a, That's one of the things that when I worked at CIA was relayed to me by a, a, one of the actually agent trainees, although I'm sure they were suffering as an agent trainee, so they were telling themselves this. But uh, it's not, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? It's definitely a marathon. So, yeah. For sure. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it. And then you see other people like 
selling things and getting right. things made, winning awards, and you're like, that should be me. I'm mm-hmm. 37. There's no time. And it's funny because uh, it, it never changes whether you're the assistant, the writer's assistant trying to become staff writer, or even just an emerging writer trying to become a writer's assistant, or whether you're a co-EP trying to make EP, you know, or showrunner. Mm-hmm. It's it's everyone feels that pressure to why am I, why isn't happening for me? I, you know, when is it going to happen for me? You know, the grind, mm-hmm. the grind. And so it, it never ends, but. Uh, it yeah. never ends, yeah. ever. Well, hope I, we don't want it to because if it ends, that means we're dead. Right. Or the industry has gone away. Somehow. Yeah. Or there's a zombie apocalypse has happened. Right. And like we're, we're at the well. Right. Um, so we've got a few questions here from the, the, the live chat here. Uh, let's see here. Hillary Van Hoos says, Chris, I saw that you're on Virtual Pitch Fest. Do you want pitches on there to include a short bio of the writer or only to answer the story-related questions you outlined? Uh, a little bit, sure. Like, tell me something interesting about you. Tell me something unique about you. But again, keep it short. Keep it succinct. Uh, I do really like it when writers answer the questions I have on Virtual Pitch Fest. It's, the questions are, uh, what is it? What's the, what's the thesis? Why make this now? Why does the audience have to go see it? Because again, something I learned from Ali Germer, you kind of need to know those kind of things. And and if you answer them, then I know that you're paying attention to what I asked. Mm. And I know that you're paying attention to the industry and and trends and where things are going. Don't ever write to trends ever. Don't write to the market. Just don't. It's not a good idea. But know what's going on. Know what people are interested in, know what they're not, and know what's going on in culture, know what's going on in the world. Like kind of got to pay attention to that like so if you answer those things then you know then i know that you've paid attention to what i've said mm-hmm. and i do pay attention to that i I, re- I take those those virtual pit fest things very seriously because i know they're paying for it and it you know it's hard so yeah tell me a little bit about yourself like don't tell me your whole life story but like you know you rescue dogs and you like to eat orange roughy i don't know <laughs> Uh, Marcus Aurelius, wow, I really want to hear this pitch now. I guess the the pitch you were talking about earlier. Um, uh, Another writer says, uh, I'm a writer with 15 vetted screenplays. I've sent out 360 plus queries. I've worked with a script consultant and I'm in the second round of the uh, macro blacklist incubator. Why can't I get a script request? LOL. Oh, no. Was that personal? I hope I requested something um well i'm wondering who's who's the vetting uh yeah that's yeah i don't know what does that what does that mean yeah yeah but the macro uh blacklist incubator incubator yeah that's legit so should definitely there's no rhyme or reason there really isn't i hate to say that because it sounds terrible it's just it sounds like people are lazy but it's just not for some reason it sounds the query like isn't resonating. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. sounds like it may not be the actual writing. It may actually be the log line or something in their query, or I mean, yeah, yeah I don't know. But it if, does, if, if the does. screenplay is moving along and it's it's people like the script itself, maybe it's something within the query or the log line. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. Maybe the query is too long. Maybe it doesn't grab some of the attention because the writing. It sounds like the writing is there. Mm. So you know, find me, send me your log lines, and I'll. I'll critique your query. <laughs> uh, Marcus Aurelius says, Hi, Chris. Thanks for doing the Q&A. Can you please talk about the importance of having a high concept 
and maybe some examples of what does and doesn't qualify. I keep getting different definitions. Ah, okay. Well, high concept is something that you can sell inside of like a sentence or two. Hmm. So, you know, speed is just die hard on the bus, hmm. which doesn't really help because like you already have die hard, so like right. kind of cheating, but it's still like that's the high concept. So I'm trying to think of a, of a high concept. I mean, now you got me on the spot. So yeah, it's just, it's something that high contest is something you can you can put on a poster and sell. Like everybody knows exactly mm -hmm. what it is right away. Something that something, I guess high IP could be considered high concept. Like it's based off of the book. If everybody knows what the book is, if it's a bestseller like Da Vinci Code or something, um, that could be considered high concept. I guess. I wonder what the other definitions that they're getting are. But um, oh, no. yeah, uh, what's a good high concept of? See, now I'm on the spot, and now I can't think of one, and now I'm sound like I'm incompetent. Um, no. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a really good high concept something. Because, like, The Godfather is not high concept, hmm. but it's based on a best-selling book, and right. you kind of get an idea of what it is. Yeah. I don't know if that was helpful at all. Probably. I mean, something that that falls along the lines of uh like independence day where aliens yeah. attack the earth and they defend the earth and they win on independence day you know it's like yeah you know something that you exactly. kind of know what you're getting right off the bat exactly um, yeah it's in the title it's it's something that you can see the visual of it's right we're trying to explain yeah. something like what is the bridges of madison county versus you know what is again die yeah. hard you know, you, you know, explaining a guy, uh, a cop who goes to an yeah. office party, gets trapped in the building when they take it hostage. Right. Yeah. And That's, he has to rescue everybody. And he has to rescue everybody. Ex-wife. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a, Bridges of Madison County, it's about two, two right, well, older people falling in love in the town in the summer. And you're right. like, that sounds cool. <laughs> or even like, it's Forrest Gump, even high concept. A man... It's really not. I mean, it's based on a book, but not that a lot of people read, but it's not a high concept thing. It's you follow a man as he goes through the second half of the Ameri second half of American history meeting notable figures. Right. I think, that's yeah. That's not a high concept. Right. That's why, you know, someone like Zemeckis had to get that made as opposed to, you know, someone pitching it yeah. in a pitch fest kind of thing. Yeah. Where you're like, exactly. what but is like, that? Yeah. High concept is, you know, this meets that. It's Devil Wears Prada meets the... Uh, Friday Night Lights. Right. That would be weird. But right. that's that's along the lines of what a high concept thing is. Yeah. And if you can make it make it have a twist, that's even better. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, or you know, not necessarily like a surprise, but something you take something familiar but make it different. That's what everyone, you know, that's that's the golden goose. If you can yeah. take something that's very, very familiar but make it completely unique with your spin on it. That's yes. sort of that golden like, goose. Yeah, I have a client, Noga has a script called Symbiosis that is retelling the frankenstein myth hmm. in a lesbian rom-com with a flesh-eating bacteria wow so that's kind of high concept because you're like interesting right but the frankenstein element you kind of like know what that's about but anyway yeah no absolutely uh let's see here um farzin farzam says question for chris does it count as a lack of focus, if a writer is interested in both features and TV, different strategies to break a writer who wants to be staffed on TV versus who wants to create a show? No, it doesn't break focus. I think it, it, in the past it was, you know, are, do you write features or do you write TV? Now that line is 
so blurred. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing, actually, because I think we'll always have, you know, distinct features and distinct TV. They'll, they'll be, you know, the two hour thing that you go to the movie theater for and the thing that you watch for, you know, three or four years mm-hmm. on your TV. But I think we're finally learning that storytelling doesn't have to conform to any sort of minute structure. And I actually really, I mean, I love, I, movies are my first love. I just love them. But I really do love a great limited miniseries because you can get into those characters and they're really interesting and you get to have them for, for just this amount of time. It's a long amount of time, but it's not too much time. Hmm. So no, I don't think it's split focus at all. I think it's great to have both of those skills because they are two very different mediums and you have to figure out, you know, a movie is something that is, is close-ended and you want to get to the end of it. A TV series is like a pilot is something you don't want to end. And those are two very different ways to tell a story, but it's good to be able to do both mm-hmm. if you can. If you can't, that's also fine. So it's like, you know, like writer directors, they're usually better at one thing than they are at the other, even though they're good at both things. So um, was there a second part to that question that I forgot? Um, it was just different strategies to break a writer who wants to be staffed on TV versus oh. someone who wants to create a show. Although most yeah. writers staffed want to do both. Right? Want to do both. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the way to be mm. a writer's assistant or just to get staffed on a show is, is to be a writer's PA, be a writer's assistant and get the bump mm-hmm. up to it or to be an expert in a different, um, field mm-hmm. and then become a consultant on a, on a TV show and then get staffed. One of our clients at the company not my client, but Mikhail and Jen's client, Barbara Curry. She was an assistant DA, I think, mm. something in that area. And she started consulting on a TV series, I forget which one, and was writing her own scripts and sold some things to NBC. And now she's been able to get in that way. Right. You know, there are doctors and lawyers who are able to get into through the side on that because it's really hard to get staff on a series. Mm-hmm. And to create your own stuff, I mean, it's, it's a little different. I think it's easier for writers to create a, a limited series and it, or an event series and it is to create an ongoing series just because a limited or event series is, is a contained story it's you know it's eight episodes and hopefully you have some ip maybe it's based on a book maybe it's a game something and i think it could be a little bit easier to break in that way mm-hmm. than the traditional mm-hmm. series route but i'm sure i'm i'm sure there's examples of me of that being like the total opposite so yeah to get staff on a show start like meeting those writers, getting to know them. I know that's really difficult to do, but that's really how you get those jobs to be staff on a show. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, a s- side question. It's incredibly difficult to get staffed on a show. Your odds, the mm-hmm. odds are very, very high. I mean, the odds are very low mm-hmm. to, for an, yeah. uh, you know, a newer writer to get staffed on a show if you don't have credits, if you don't have a lot mm-hmm. of connections. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it's even harder to get a show made. I mean, seasoned showrunners have mm-hmm. a hard time getting a show picked up. Mm-hmm. And as a new staff writer or somebody who may be even a story editor, it's mm-hmm. oftentimes in the contracts where you cannot develop a show for the first season or two mm-hmm. of a show. Um, what would you reckon? Because everyone wants to make their own show. There's very few, I think, writers out there who you know, TV writers who don't want, don't have a pilot, don't want something developed of their own. Mm -hmm. Um, But what would you advise for newer writers out there who want to create their own show versus getting staffed? 
where should they put their energy knowing that, again, we have 24 hours in a day. There's only so much <laughs> bandwidth we have. Should they focus on trying to sell my pilot, sell my pilot, sell my pilot? Or should I try to spend my energy trying to get assistant jobs, trying to get staffed, trying to do that? Which mm-hmm. is a better expenditure of most newer emerging writers' time and energy? I, do you think? I think to get staff on a show to learn how that works, to learn the mechanics of the room, mm-hmm. to refine your writing, to learn how to write with other people, to learn how to take notes and criticism, and then also to see how the production of the show actually gets made, mm-hmm. because that's a whole different thing. And during COVID, there and still now, there are less writers getting to be on set and to actually produce their episode, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because then there's a bunch of writers right now who are not going to be able to run the run the show uh, as much as they could have, you know, pre-COVID. So. And producing is a different beast in itself. It's a different. It's definitely different than writing. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's other producers on the on the project. There's crew and there's all of that. But to know, to to see that process and to see it all the way through, even if you do sell your pilot, if if you're a young writer and sell your pilot, you're still going to have a, a showrunner on top of you who like has been through that, who knows how to do you know the budgets and the schedule and all of that. So the more experience you have on someone else's show where you're not in charge mm-hmm. and it's not your your name on the line, the better for you. Like get that experience and, to, and know what that is before thinking about, you know, selling your own pilot. Maybe definitely want to sell your own pilot. Like for sure, there's a client at the company, not my client, Marcus's client, JJ Bailey, who he sold, I think like three pilots and he's a brand new writer, never mm-hmm. staffed in a room before. And he still has, you know, people above him and, and you know, it, he's amazing and he's a great pitcher and good luck to him. Um, he's also a lovely human. So is his wife, but, uh, yeah, learn on someone else's show mm-hmm. for sure. Put your energy into that, but keep developing your own projects all the sure. time. You can only when it's, when it's, you can't develop it, you can't develop with another company, another producer, but you can still keep writing oh, your right. own projects all the time. Yeah. So definitely keep writing, yeah. but yeah, learn on someone else's set. Learn with somebody else's money. <laughs> and also staffing, I think, gives you the opportunity to get fans, more and more fans. And I don't mean fans sure. like out in in the public on Twitter. I mean within the yeah. industry with other within writers, executives, producers to get to know your writing yeah. so that when you do – when you are able to develop your own show or you have that pilot that's ready to go, you have people yeah. who are willing to learn – willing to read it and, and, and willing to support yeah. you because they're fans of your work already. Absolutely. I have a client, Robert Doty, who's on All-American, I think, season four. Yeah. He's been on since season one and he's learned so much and he's like, oh, such a lovely human and great writer. And he's just learned so much on set, so much from, I think, two showrunners now. And he's, you know, third or fourth in the room and has learned. And so I know when he has his own project that he's writing right now, uh, when we take it out, he it has a, has a good chance of selling because it's going to be a really great script. But also he has the experience behind him that a studio or a network is going to, they're going to say, oh, right. He did all of this on All American, learned all these things. He's at this level now. Mm-hmm. Now we can sell his pilot. Uh, let's see here. Uh, funny, funny guy or fun guy, three forty five says. Do you think it's a bad idea for people to post log lines on Twitter? Who's going to read them? Like, I, I don't know if they're saying hmm. is it bad. In other words, people won't read it. Like people that he wants to read it or if it's bad because it might be stolen. And I don't, I'm not sure exactly uh, what. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think the odds of something getting stolen, I know that's like a, a thing writers are afraid of that, you know, someone's going to steal my idea. No one's going to steal your idea. Mm-hmm. No one's stealing your idea. 
uh, someone might have a similar idea, but you know, the, the idea is not protected. The execution of that idea is protected. And there's no way that somebody's going to write the exact same project that you did, even if you have the same idea, same log line, same, you know, book even. Right. So this old ad is that Hollywood's going to steal my idea. No, it's not. It's really, there are too many ideas out there for people hmm. to steal. Like it's, you came up with this genius idea that people want, like, sorry, no, not going to happen. But, uh, I mean, if you have the the fan base of executives who are following you on Twitter and you put your logline out there and someone likes it, maybe, and maybe even like putting it out into the ether and letting the universe do its thing. Mm -hmm. So no, I do not think it's a stupid idea. I'm just, I'm curious who's, who's reading it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The same writer who mentioned the 15 vetted scripts, uh, they're just mm -hmm. identified as Google channels. So we'll just anonymous writer. Uh, <laughs> says, I think too many reps treat an unrepresented writer like they're an amateur writer. I can't even get a rep to read anything I've written, and I've got 10 scripts getting great coverage. I don't know where the coverage is coming from, I guess. Maybe from Blacklist? Or maybe. Or maybe from the studio? Maybe. maybe. But you just haven't found the right person. Yeah. You just, I mean, finding a, a, a rep who you like, whose mm. taste you, you agree with, right. uh, it's it's rare. It's like dating. It's you know how long did it take to you find your girlfriend or boyfriend or hmm. husband wife what have you? It, it probably you know takes kissing a hundred frogs before you get the right one. Right. So you just haven't found the right one yet. Just keep right. going. Uh, Send it to me. I will read it. I promise. I will read it. Uh, Ron Hatcher says, "What would you say to a thirty-six-year-old baby writer suffering from an acute case of imposter syndrome?" Oh, a don't call yourself a baby writer because you're not. You're a new writer. That's exciting. New is exciting. New, mm. green, what have you. Um, Everyone likes eager. new cars. <laughs> Everybody likes, yes, new car smell. It's like the best one. Yeah. But um, so you're not a baby writer. You're a new writer. And we're trying to to not say baby writer mm. anymore because it infa infantilizes people. And we don't yeah. need to do that. You're 36. Uh, imposter syndrome. Who does not have imposter syndrome? I, I, I do. If, most people I know do. It's real interesting that like Hollywood people think that they're, you know, slick and I don't confident. And I don't, what else? And, and everybody in Hollywood has anxiety, every single person, except for like Matthew McConaughey and like, Stone half the time, which is totally fine. Do your thing. But um, everybody in this town has anxiety. Every single person that I've ever met. Uh, except maybe Mikhail. He's very calm. But anyway, so just know that you're not alone, which is significant. I think yeah, uh, so many people, yeah, so many people have that and sort of like harness, if you can harness it in some way, I'm trying to think of how I deal with my imposter syndrome. I've, I'm slowly growing out of it. You would think by this age, I'd be like, he, like, I'm like hearing my resume. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Um, I worked with some really great people on some really cool projects. You would think that I'd be more confident. Um, I'm just sort of growing out of it. And, and I don't know, like be, I think get healthy if you're not, you know, exercise, get outside, do some yoga, do some meditation, uh, be around people who are positive and not mm. energy vampires, for sure. Take time for yourself, be quiet, figure out if you're an, uh, an introvert or an extrovert, really figure out like who you are and why, you know, make sure that you like yourself, which you know, I struggle with all the time. Uh, but, and see if you can harness it in some capacity. Like I, I think I use my imposter syndrome or I'm, it's just part of my hustle. I just, I have to get up. I have to do this. I have to send these projects out. I have to make sure I meet three new people a week. I just kind mm -hmm. of use that anxiety, that imposter feeling to keep having to prove myself, which 
I don't really have to do, but I do. And that productivity makes me happy. If you can harness it somehow. Yeah. No, I, I think I harness my anxiety when I, I, I was trying out for a game show. I was watching my mother-in-law used to come over and, and watch a, who wants to be a millionaire. Hmm. And one day they had movie week and I was answering all the questions and, and she's like, you should go on the show. I'm like, I should go on this show. And so I auditioned for it. And like, I don't like being on camera. It's, it's not my, I like being behind the camera. Like that's my jam. But, uh, I, I was so nervous that they were filming me and, and like, I, I took the test and I passed that and then you have to do this one-on-one -on -one interview and I was really nervous. And then I had to do an on-camera interview. And I'm like, oh, I hate being on camera. And I was just nervous. And I was just used that nervous energy and like was bouncing around the room and I was making jokes because I was uncomfortable and that's what I do. And it turned out like that's what they were looking for to be on the show. So hopefully you can, and then I went on the show and made some money. It was super cool. Uh, super nervous. Oh, you were on the show? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was on the show. It was uh, like five or six years ago, I think. I can't remember. And it was Terry Crews was the, was the host. And oh. I won some money. And then uh, I actually lost on a question that was in the, the answer was in a movie that I had never seen. Mm. And I'd always wanted to see it and I had never seen it. And I, so I, I had to step away. But yeah, so like if you can figure out how to harness that feeling, that anxiety about being, you know, and by the way, you probably are good enough. You're good enough. Like as a human being, you're already good enough. And then as somebody who's trying to do this, as someone who's 36, you probably already had a career or you have a career and you're trying to find a second one and trying to make that jump like that's that's admirable um i remember when my dad was was moving from insurance to becoming a teacher and he was 50 and going back to college and he was my hero because who does that so hmm. you're you're already trying something new and you're writing into a stranger on a podcast so like you're already taking a little baby step forward of getting out of your comfort zone i would think so know that you're not alone and so many other people have that. Oh my goodness. And you're already taking the steps. So just harness that anxiety as much as you can to a positive reaction. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. Um, Rodney 92 says, Chris, I sent you a log line a month ago, but I got no response. I think it's a truly different idea. Can I send you a new, better log line? I think you'll love this idea. Gotta love Rodney's yes, sales can. pitch. There you go. <laughs> All right. You got the green light, Rodney. Go for it. Okay. Um, send it. Let's see here. Uh, Brooks Reynolds, when considering a writer-director that is established as a commercial director, is their work in that space relevant to you? Yes. Yes. I, I, very much so, yes. I mean, because, oh, it's so hard. That business is so hard, so competitive. There's so much money in it. There's so many people trying to do it. But if you're actually successful at being a director of, of commercials, music videos, what have you. It's mm -hmm. really hard to tell a story inside of two hours, one hour. It's really, really hard to tell a story inside of five minutes or 30 seconds. So if you can do that, great. Plus, if, you, if you're successful at that and you have a, a bunch of, you know, commercials in your canon, then I know you've been on a bunch of sets. Mm -hmm. And probably, and if you directed those, then I know you've probably been on a bunch of other sets that you didn't get to direct. So you know those, those positions as well. So like being... You know, there's a reason that that Fincher and and Michael Bay and all those guys from the early '90s why they got to be so successful because they, if you're on a set a lot and you're making, you're a you're making something great, but b like you're you're experimenting and you're learning on all of those sets of what works, what doesn't. You're finding crew members who you can work with, mm -hmm. uh, who you can bring along with you on the ride. So all of that experience is really really good. And I, then I know that you can, if you're successful, 
uh, and hopefully a good human, I know that you know how to work with a bunch of different people because mm -hmm. that's, that's also really hard. Right. Right. And they've been vetted in some way because they're mm -hmm. working in a professional environment for, mm -hmm. you know, ad agencies and commercial production companies and whatever. Um, sure. uh, Rodney 92 adds, uh, I'm 62. Am I dreaming to think I can sell something? Oh, what? I mean, <laughs> hopefully you are dreaming because dream big, but, uh, no, there, I mean, who was the guy who wrote King's speech? He was like 80. So no. Who was the writer of Nebraska? I think they were also in their 60s or 70s, weren't they? That was, um, what do you call it? What's his name? We did about Schmidt. But the... Yeah, it was directed by Alexander Payne, but oh, Bob Alexander Nelson. Payne. Bob Nelson, I think, was in his 60s, I want to say, I think. Don't quote me on that. When he okay. got Nebraska written. So no, it's definitely possible. Um, Absolutely. Let's see here. Uh, Todd Klingers asks, uh, what genres are you most interested in working with? Any you just don't like? Slasher. Slashers? Well, I, I say that, but like Scream is kind of a slasher movie, but it's just so smart. So, I mean, I, do, I don't really like the hostels and stuff, but I don't think that people are making those as much anymore. There isn't really a genre that I don't like. I like left of center things. So that could be probably any genre. But uh, I think if there's on it, no, I like, I mean, I, I know, like I, a good Western. I know Todd's follow-up is going to be, do you have an aversion to road trip movies? No, not at all. As long as you have a cool story, like, is it, you know, don't try to retell uh, Thelma and Louise. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, road trips are always, they're fun. I like a good road trip movie. There you go, Todd. Um, Clint Williams, do managers browse the Blacklist website and Coverfly Red List? and other sources looking for new writers, or are you too busy with scripts from other sources? Thanks. Too busy. That's just me, too busy. Yeah, yeah. Are there any women asking questions in this thing? Where are the ladies? Come on, ladies. Uh, I don't know. Let's see here. Uh, Marlon's Way, how should disabled writers approach a career if they can work regularly, but not as quickly as a non-disabled writer? Oh my. Uh, I guess the same way as a non-disabled writer. Right. Would do. I wonder, I'm curious the disability. Yeah, I don't know. And even writers work at different speeds. Some, yeah. you know, non-disabled, They some are faster, some are slower. I mean, it's all about, you know, what you produce as a result and if you can meet deadlines. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, um, hmm. yeah, I don't know. Uh, chasing epiphanies. I don't know if chasing epiphanies is a male <laughs> or female. Um, high concept usually... non-binary. Yeah, or non-binary. <laughs> Uh, high concept usually can be described in a question. I like that. Jurassic Park. What if we could bring back the dinosaurs? I like that. Um, mm -hmm. Jack Firestone. High concept pre-sold to an audience. That's also true. Um, yeah. Lucas Kendall. Do you watch short films looking for writer directors like say mine? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Will you look at? A yes, short I film? do. <laughs> I do look at short films. I've. I've... Uh, and a couple of my clients write short films. I just uh, watched one last night from my client, Taylor Bakken, who uh, works for Patty Jenkins. And oh, yeah. wait, is it Patty? Yeah, Patty Jenkins. And it's brilliant. And I I just loved it. I, yeah, I remember I watched uh, Ben Bryant has this great short film. You can probably find it online somewhere. I forget what it's called. But yeah, definitely. Short films are, yeah, short films are really hard to make. And yeah, yes, the answer is yeah. 
Okay. Uh, let's see here. Oh, the anonymous writer. Sorry, my name is Simba <laughs> Dibinga. Hopefully I pronounce your name right, Simba. Uh, I keep forgetting I'm not signed in. Oh, there you go. So now we've got a name to a, a face. Great. Um, oh, my, my dog uh, in high school was named Simba because I love him. Yeah. Uh, chasing epiphanies. My advice for imposter syndrome. Uh, doubt your writing, but not yourself. Ooh, I like that too. Uh, mm. The writing can be polished to infinity, but your ideas are just you expressing yourself. No, I like that. You doubt your writing, but not yourself. I think that's a great mm -hmm. uh, separation there because mm -hmm. uh, I I worry a little bit sometimes when mm -hmm. the when there isn't a little bit of imposter syndrome because of mm -hmm. the fact that you wonder if they're going to be critical enough of their work if they believe mm -hmm. that they're already oh, I should be a showrunner and they've never sold or got anything made or been hired anything? yet, right? Yeah. But again, doubt your writing, but not yourself. I love that. That's good. Yeah, because you're you're yeah your writing does not define you right and and i which i know is a very hard thing to to accept and and i had just i struggled with that in my career early on i really defined a lot of myself by my job and you just it's not a good idea to do that i don't think because it's 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 not you there's so much more to you than just writing yeah and your writing evolves it changes it grows even individual scripts change and get better over time and mm -hmm. things like that um mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean if something hasn't sold right away or your latest project doesn't go anywhere that you're not still a great writer. Exactly. And you will get better. Every writer gets better. Yes. Okay. Writing is rewriting. Yeah. Uh, Ron Hatcher, thank you so much. This means a lot. I'll definitely practice harnessing nervous energy. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have that. I mean, again, I've heard stories from showrunners all the way down to writers. Everyone has some sort of... of most people, I should say, 99% mm -hmm. of them have moments of imposter syndrome. Again, but I, 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 Chasing Epiphany's mm -hmm. line of uh, doubt you're writing but not yourself, I, like I think is great. Yeah, because um, creatives are like that. Like there, there yeah. isn't, it's so nebulous, our industry and our business and what we do. And there's, mm -hmm. there aren't rules. And it's not like corporate world where you're like, oh, I'm this, 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 this. It's, it's not the same kind of thing. Uh, let's see. Um uh, D Killa says, are there any classes that you recommend for a writer that has been writing for over five years to get to a professional level to achieve representation and or a possible option? No. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, classes. I mean, no. I, I know like USC has, but yes, I don't know. I love USC. I know they have a great screenwriting program. UCLA has a great screenwriting program. But I don't know of anything in particular. I know there's those books, Save the Cat, and uh, what's the other one? Robert McKee's book. I think oh, those yeah. are probably good. But you know, there is no there are no rules. Uh, I love that movie adaptation when what's his name is playing Robert McKee. It's so good. Anyway, no, there I can't. I wish I could recommend. Just keep reading. Keep reading really good scripts, mm -hmm. which is also subjective. So. There you go. But um, just keep reading as many scripts as you can. Keep watching as many movies as you can. Watch the watch the movie first. Read the screenplay second. Make sure that it's the shooting script and not a transcript of what the movie is. Right. But like compare things to see like what works and what doesn't, and just mm -hmm. just keep writing, please. Uh, let's see here. Uh, D actually went on to say I took some UCLA writers courses, so that's good. Okay. Um, 
Gina Ippolito says, all right, I'll ask a cue to lady represent. Thank you, Gina. Uh, what level of writer do you represent the most, are interested in repping the most? Asking as a mid-level who has heard we mainly want lowers and uppers. It's all... <laughs> Sometimes they do because, you know, you get the uppers to run the room and you get the lowers because sure. you can pay them less. Right. So I, I look for any level. I, I should probably be looking for like only upper levels or whatever, but I really look at the voice. Yeah. Because I look at the voice. I have heard it is tougher for mid-levels from a lot of mid-levels recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, has that been the case for you as well? Have you seen it a little bit more difficult for mids to get jobs as opposed to uppers and lowers? I really, I've seen a lot of, a lot of shows looking for a number two in the room looking for, no, I haven't, I haven't come across that, but maybe that's just me. Yeah. Uh, I think it's because rooms are smaller, so they get a few uppers mm-hmm. in and they don't have the budget, so they just get mm-hmm. some lowers to fill in the ranks. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think the mids are the first ones to go, so because Probably. they're sort of that yeah. career. Um, I think like the, the SE or the ESE was, was gone for a lot of shows in the past year. Yeah. No, oh, I'm sorry, you're struggling. Um, Keep writing, please. Hillary Van Hoos. Oh, yeah, Hillary's asked a question before. Oh, yeah. um, do most managers set up general meetings or is that more of an agent thing? I do. I definitely do. Mm-hmm. I think it's a big part of my job to make sure that, that I'm introducing my client to as many people as possible. Because mm-hmm. if they're not doing that, what are they doing? Right, right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ron Hatcher, would developing an original graphic novel be use, be a useful tool for selling a high concept sci-fi thriller to a kindly manager such as yourself. <laughs> if you've already had it published, yes. But developing, I, I think, and Mikhail would answer this question much better than me. But uh, from what I gather about graphic novels and comics, it's a really hard business to be in, mm-hmm. and you have to put. I think you have to put up some of your own money first. Right. And it's really hard to get a bestseller like like something like The Walking Dead is just such an anomaly. But sometimes if you can get it published and it is a bit of IP, some people would pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, as a, as a, if you have the money to do it and the patience to do it, you know, an artist who's going to do the, do the, the art for it, you mm-hmm. know, the inker and colorist and all that stuff. If you're already in that world, yes. As a way to reverse engineer IP, I don't think it's the best use of your time. Right. As far as I know. Yeah. I've, I've spoken to Marcus about it before mm-hmm. and, uh, Again, it, it comes down to if you can afford it and have the time and it's done incredibly well, it can be mm-hmm. an effective sort of selling tool. But for most writers out there who either don't have the time or the money or the expertise or, mm-hmm. you know, you're just doing it to uh, pump up an IP, it can be, you know, your, your energy and time and money is probably spent better elsewhere. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh Hillary Van Hoos, Trojans represent. Fight on. Fight on. Um, Chasing Epiphanies. Anything a writer should keep in mind if they jump between genres a lot? One moment I'm making dark horror and sci-fi. The next I'm making silly comedies and whimsical fantasies. Oh, okay. So I would say to not do that. To uh, sort of pick, which I hate saying because maybe you're great at both. Like I have a Mm. client, Jamie Nash, who's really great at like sci-fi thriller and at like Nickelodeon movies of the week. And they're very different. Love Jamie. He's the yeah, best. He's great. So lovely. But, really um, funny too. 
he is really funny yeah. and like he's like writes really funny stuff like the the fun nickelodeon like right. movies and then he writes like this dark such a dark psychological yeah. sci-fi thriller and i'm like <clears throat> but i kind of like that that it's 180 from each mm. other but, so i mean i'm not sure if he's an anomaly mm. himself but anyway i think that if you're a newer writer starting off mm -hmm. then perhaps to stay in your one genre but move in that genre so like Noga, for example, writes comedy. She can write rom-com. She can write sci-fi rom-com. She can write sci-fi com. Like she moves in that space. So when someone's looking for a writer for something, I mean, after I've helped establish her as a, as a writer around town and people know who she is, they think, oh, I have a comedy. I need to go to Noga. I have a sci-fi com. I need to go to Noga. So that people think of you in that. Mm -hmm. And like I say that, and then, you know, Craig Mazin goes and, and writes Hangover and then goes and writes Chernobyl. Right. But he also always writes from character. And I haven't really studied his his um, canon enough to know what his theme is. Because on the one hand, because I don't want to put anybody in a box and write what you want to write, write what turns you on, like write, write whatever sparks and lights you up. Definitely write that for sure. That's the creative writing side. The business side is a little mm -hmm. bit different, and you want to make sure that people are thinking of you in the right way. Um, and you know, what are your goals? Is your goal to sell something, or is your goal to have a long career? So, if you want to have a long career and establish yourself, start with one genre, move in that genre. So, yeah, I, and and I should say, not just genre, but I mean, genre or thesis of something or theme like uh like one of our clients marcus client rosie ross writes muscular women hmm. uh writes really i forgot i should have a way to phrase it so she writes you know something like barbarian which is which is um yeah what period piece about uh it's female what's his name female braveheart oh but she's also writing hmm. the uh the creation of barbie story oh, but okay. it's like she writes muscular women, if that makes right. sense. So like, maybe that's what Craig Mazin does. He writes like characters who have a secret, who, whatever. So as long as you mm -hmm. have like something, I don't want to say that defines you because I don't really like being so binary, but something where people think of you, right. where they're like, oh, that's mm -hmm. that writer. He writes, he writes sci-fi rom-com. He writes right. cats who do whatever. Like as long as you have a, a distinction in your writing, you can write whatever genre you want. But I, my advice starting off is to pick a genre and, and really hone that. Right. And I always sort of mention whenever it gets asked as well, would you rather be known as like, if you're trying to hire someone to, mm -hmm. to repair your plumbing, are you going to hire the best plumber you can find? Or are you going to hire a handyman who can do the plumbing, but can also repair a mm -hmm. fence or going to, could also, you know, repair right. the air conditioning kind of, you want the best plumber. That's that's what your concern is, and I think there's a bias mm -hmm. from executives and producers and things to mm -hmm. thinks of writers who are pushing themselves as more than one thing as mm -hmm. jack of all trades, master of none, kind of thing. Yeah, and it may and, not and be it true. Can be confusing, right? But yeah. that, that's 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 sort of the the what the preconceived notion is. I think of of writers who yeah. try to tackle too many genres early on in their yeah. career. For sure, and and because you know realistically. Yeah you're it's, it's going to be one for them one for you or two yeah. for them one for you so sure. like realistically even if you sell something i mean it's, it's rare to sell something but you're probably going to get an assignment first before mm -hmm. you sell something right. so remember that as well uh and 
in terms of Craig Mazin doing Chernobyl, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, The Hangover was a huge mm-hmm. hit. So once you've had things like that, you can hang your hat on. Then at that point, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can go do something else. Right, right. right. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I am Lori Beth. Now we have the women's representing. Um, do you have any advice for how to navigate around managers who refuse to send good scripts out for staffing if writer is over 40, but will send not great scripts if the writer is 25? Hmm. Ooh, get a new manager. Yeah. Sorry. That sounds that, very good. No, that doesn't. It's, age doesn't matter. It ma- experience matters. Voice matters. Yeah. Hmm. Quality matters. And in fact, you know, especially I, I've heard from uh, multiple showrunners that we've spoken to that sometimes, oftentimes, uh, a writer, an older staff writer, if they have the right personality, meaning they're willing to learn and grow yeah. uh, and not thinking they're above that job already, are preferable yeah. because they have a, a, a wealth of experience and life's experience that someone who's in their early 20s doesn't have. Right. Yeah. So it's for a, sure. It's I mean, depending on what the show is. Like sure. Like yeah. If you're writing the OC or something like that. Yeah. Then it may be a little different. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, mm. uh, let's see here. Famous motion pictures. I'm a writer, director, VFX artist with a new feature in post and will have distribution. What can I do to best get the attention of a lit manager? Oh, do you think you need one? Well, for one. Yeah. Like, do you think you need one? Because you seem to be doing pretty good. But if you really want one, it's the same. Do you have an agent too? I'm wondering. Probably, maybe. And by, by the way, congratulations mm-hmm. to have something in post and yeah. getting distribution because that is an uphill battle, mm-hmm. my friend. So, uh, same process. Query letters. Who do you know? I mean, ask. Uh, did you? I wonder if this person wrote and directed the movie that's coming out. Wrote or directed? Wrote and directed? Ask. And if they didn't, ask that person. Ask the writer or the director for who's their representation ask right. the executive on the team who's your producer who do you know who you think would work well with me and start start that way get yeah get recommendations from people i've heard from other managers what i've asked but i want to get your take on it if you get a referral from somebody that you don't know personally mm-hmm. but that you is someone else in the industry for example if this mm-hmm. uh, writer director vfx artist i don't know which role they had or all of the roles mm-hmm. on this feature um, had someone from that distribution company, that production company, that streamer, I don't know where it's getting distribution, that that studio, mm-hmm. wherever it happens to be, an executive from one of those places or the producer of the film mm-hmm. who you may have, you know, you've heard of projects they've worked on, but you may not know that producer. If they were to call you or mm-hmm. email you and give a referral, is that something you would take seriously, even though it's not someone yeah. you know? Yeah, For so... Sure. If you yeah, if you take the time to find me mm-hmm. and can get my number or my email address or what have you and and yeah absolutely. So then that that writer director uh, should yeah definitely contact the producer of that film or the executives mm-hmm. of the companies or whatever and have them reach out to you on their behalf. Definitely. Right? Perfect. <clears throat> Uh, let's see here. Neil Schneider, in terms of queries and reading scripts of potential clients, are you more interested in a script you can take to market or a really great writing sample? I guess if you had to pick one Both. or the other. <laughs> if I had to pick one or the other? Yeah. <clears throat> Oof. I mean, probably the great sample because it's just so hard to sell things. Hmm. It's just really, really hard that I'd rather have something that, again, marathon, not a sprint. Right. And I've heard of a lot of... of 
managers saying that they signed a, a client based on a writing sample and that sample never gets mm -hmm. made, but yet they get a lot of work from it. Exactly. So, yeah. They do. And I, I also, I, I don't know, I guess I don't know what, how, what time it is, but um, I do want to say to, mm -hmm. I mean, to writers to try to get your own stuff made. So be on as many sets as you can, whether you're the writer or you're the PA or the crafty or whatever, like, and try to make your own stuff, try to make your own short films, make your own music videos. You have an iPhone, you've seen Tangerine, go make something. Right. Yes, it's really hard, but go do it. That way you have something visual because we're, we like the shiny things. So uh, please do that. Yeah. Definitely. Learn three-point lighting. Learn all that stuff, like, for sure. Yeah. and You're not and, just a writer. You're a filmmaker. And nowadays, back when I went to film school, you, you had to you shoot in Super 8 or the video quality wasn't great. Mm -hmm. But now yeah. it's like you have no excuse. You can shoot in high def 4K on your own phone and edit it on this phone. Yeah. It may not be easy, yeah. but you can do it. Right? You can do it. And, yeah. and even yeah. if it doesn't look great, sorry, there's a bug. Um, even if it doesn't look great, as long as you're telling the story, as right. long as you're you're getting an interesting performance out of your your actor, right. it doesn't have to it doesn't have to look like Dunkirk. Like it can look washed out video, whatever. Like and or take that and use it. Like if you if it's gonna look like eighties video, then mm -hmm. like do something fun with that. Subvert a right. genre to be, like be as creative as you can. It doesn't I, have to look like anything. I always refer people when they talk about i don't have the budget to do this or that to swingers if you look mm -hmm. at swingers it's not amazing it's not beautiful to look at some of the shots are shaky or you know overblown i mean mm -hmm. some of the shots at night like when they're driving to vegas it's literally a yeah. black scene with two headlights because they had no lights yeah. out there it was dark and then they had one probably kino flow at the bottom shining up at them so you can see this little window yeah. where they're lit yeah. and then two headlights and that's it it's terribly that's lit it. But, yeah, but I mean, that's what they had. But yeah, it's great because yeah. you like the characters, you, you you like the story, you feel for them. You, so yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's really about and, more and, than than cinematography. Yeah. Beg, borrow, and steal to get it made. Yeah. Like you you can you can do it. Right. Not having a budget is no no reason. I don't think. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say that because that's a very white lady privileged thing to say because people have to pay rent and have kids and whatnot. Oh sure. But so that caveat, but. Make your own stuff as, as much as you can. Right. Uh, let's see here. Um, what about tone? I've heard elsewhere that lighter projects are selling, but I tend to work a bit darker. Are we wholly beholden to the uh, whims of the market? Yes and no. <laughs> so, yeah, lighter things are definitely selling because that's what we think the audience wants to see yeah. right now. However, if it's good, it's good. If it's good... Hopefully it will sell. Yes, it's difficult for it to sell. Like maybe not. Like no, no, I don't even want to say that. It's like maybe not a serial killer thing right now. I mean, don't write anything about a pandemic. Just I, I hate to say that because write what lights you up. But however, and by the way, if you want to write that, write it. But just expect that it's probably not going to sell. But like get it out of your system on paper. So never write for not ten ever. years at least. <laughs> Give it a few yeah, years. Yeah, not for a while. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't want to know about flesh eating bacteria. Yeah. Uh, but but. Oh man. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Lighter stuff is selling, but darker stuff will sell too. Mm. There, there, I mean, after you know, nine 11, there were plenty of things that, that were dark that sold. And, you know, in world war two, there were plenty of things that were dark that got sold. So yes, it's a, you are, and you aren't because then all that, like I say that, and then somebody will sell like a next serial killer project and like, it'll make $300 billion at the box. So never write to the market, write what you want to write, be aware of what's going on as it sounds like you are. 
but yeah, just write what you want to write mm-hmm. and and just make it great right yeah and it's cyclical you know dark dark mm-hmm. stuff will come back definitely yeah yeah and it, it's gonna take you know all the stuff that's selling now it's it's gonna take three years for it to come out and who knows right. what it's gonna be like then like it's gonna take a really long time right and that's three years is fast that was the, the movie the, the fastest movie i worked on was three years was pursuit of happiness from the idea coming into distribution wow. was, i think it was three years yeah uh, Trevor Olson is the best chance to garner a lit manager to present them with a script that can sell immediately solid concept easy to make aka cheap or just a great ambitious script that would be costly to produce second the, the, the latter I mean for me mm-hmm. there are plenty of managers out there who will tell you you know write me something that's going to sell write me right. a horror write me the next quiet place and that's just not my speed mm it's just not my thing so there are plenty of managers out there who will do that and there are plenty of managers who are good at doing that and good at selling it it's just not for me Mm -hmm. uh rodney 92 thanks for answering my questions chris uh i find your enthusiasm inspiring uh oh wait i missed one funny or fun guy 345 do specs matter to you would you read a spec i'm assuming he's talking about a spec pilot Right. Hmm. Or is he talking about spec episode, like for fellowship kind of stuff? Oh, I can't remember if fellowships now are wanting. I think there are a couple couple that still want an existing show. So let's assume that they're talking about that. Would you read a spec of an existing show? Yeah. As their own writing, as their only writing sample? Not their only. They should have their own original. Okay. Because yeah, I mean, a lot most people aren't reading. Yeah, but it is a, it is a yeah it is a skill to yeah. to be able to write in somebody else's voice for sure. But sure. I want to make sure that you have your own voice. Yeah, no, and I know a number of showrunners who would as a, as the second request would be mm-hmm. a spec of an existing show so they could see if you can mimic you know yeah. their show kind of thing. Exactly. Um, let's see here. Uh, Famous motion pictures. Thank you both uh, to answer. I wrote and directed the feature. No. No agent. Uh, Chris, hmm. may I send you my trailer? There you go. Sure. Um, Ron Hatcher, my final question. How are you? Today, pretty good. <laughs> Today, pretty good. With everything that's going on, that's we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. Like, it's... it's oh, my God, it's so hot. But, um, I mean... I get to work in Hollywood. I get to work with my friends. I get to do a lot of really great things. Uh, there's a lot of crazy shit happening in the world right now and there's a lot of pain and suffering Mm -hmm. and who knows what else is going to come tomorrow like oh my goodness but um i have to i try to stay as positive as i can at least when i'm on camera or talking to somebody but um yeah at least at least some things are starting to change at least in the business and in society as a whole we're reckoning with things which is really really good and, Mm -hmm. and useful and helpful but Man, we have a long way to go. Uh, Ivan White asks, which is easier to sell, a TV show uh, or a movie spec? Right now, a movie. Which is weird because like 10 years ago, it was the total opposite. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's easier to sell a movie these days. Which is crazy because there's so many yeah. shows in development from all the streamers yeah. and everything. And mm-hmm. we don't know if there's going to be movie theaters in 10 years at all. Yeah. So it's I kind mean, of crazy. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, will they all be? Will they all be IMAX? Will they be either right. IMAX or like the little 
Paris theater. I don't know. Right. Interesting. Uh, Hillary cameo appearances by cute cats are the best. <laughs> That's Diva. Yeah. Uh, Dave or D killer. Excuse me. Uh, is there a specific site you cruise to find material? Um, I meditate no. with uh, Dandapani too. Dandapani. Oh, I don't know that one. Huh. Um, Ivan White, uh, do you use Ink Tip? I used to. I haven't lately, just because I've been busy. Hmm. I I, re- I rarely. I, I probably never peruse websites like Blacklist or something for scripts, just because I have so many incoming mm-hmm. that I don't really need to and maybe i should it's just so hard to tell from those websites like if something is good or not i really i do like virtual pitch fest because it's a little bit more interactive so i do i like that one but i think it's a it's a, i guess they're all paid sites so yeah but I, yes i have used Inktip. and then i have they're great too because those ink tip people like uh-huh. they will reach out but chris do you need something because it's hard for me to, i don't remember and i have right. something coming so they're good their their executives or whatever they're really good at that at least ones i've worked with um there is one question we get a lot that we haven't touched based uh in this uh, particular episode mm-hmm. i haven't asked you uh, writers outside of los angeles mm-hmm. um advice for those writers out there and mm-hmm. how imperative is it for writers to be in Los Angeles, if at all. I used to say be here. Mm-hmm. Pandemic happened and now I'm like, it's a little different. But uh, writers rooms are coming back and some showrunners definitely want you to be there in the room because there is mm-hmm. a certain chemistry that happens when, when there's you know five or six writers together. Mm-hmm. Uh, feature writers are a little bit different because you can you can still, you know, write it at home and then you know, send your, send your script in and you can do Zooms or you can do the thing where you come to Hollywood for two weeks and put, get in a bunch of meetings and then go back. So features, I think it's a little bit easier. But when you're first starting out, if you're not in New York or LA or Atlanta, uh, maybe in, in you know, those hubs, uh, Atlanta, uh, Wilmington, uh, North Carolina, uh, New Orleans, Portland, if you're not in a place that has a community, a filmmaking community, I think it can be difficult as a new writer mm-hmm. because there are certain there are certain things that you just you network really well here to do. Like you go to you know the coffee or the party or whatever, and you you do meet a lot of people. It's a little different now with with COVID, but people are are definitely coming back. So it, it's going to be a hybrid for a while. I do think oh, I don't know about vaccination rates. But, you know, I had a client who was in a, in a mini room for a week and they wanted to hire her for the, for the run of the show, but mm-hmm. she lives in Canada and was not moving back. So she didn't get the job, mm. but then there are some showrunners who are fine with that. So it's kind of hit or miss. If your TV, I would say prepare to be here. Plus if you're, if you're in a, if you're here, if you're in a, a filmmaking hub, then you're making stuff and you're meeting people. And as I said before, I want you to you know make your own stuff. So wonder where this person yeah if, if your feature is a little bit easier but if your tv it could be it could be a little bit rougher mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so we are at the almost 90 minute yeah. mark uh it's been great do you have any sort of final thoughts or advice for those newer non-baby writers out there <laughs> just keep doing it like keep keep writing right all like not all the time but and, but also get out 
and like do other stuff and have other experiences because if you don't then how are you going to figure out what you're going to write mm -hmm. but make your own stuff make your own short films uh work with people be a nice human be prepared for it to be a very long road and just because it hasn't happened within three years or five years does not mean it's not going to happen it just means you maybe rethink something or go in a different way or what have you but also if it hasn't worked maybe there's a reason and i'm not saying telling anybody to give up but i also want people to be realistic it, mm -hmm. it's, this is a really hard business and i'm sure a lot of people have said that and it sounds like, like a cliche but it's really really hard and it seems like oh there's so much money around and my thing's definitely going to sell and what have you and and there is a lot of money and things do sell but a lot of things don't like there's just a lot it's just a really really hard business there are really great people here. Nothing is personal. It just isn't. And I, I know it can feel that way, but just be as realistic as possible and keep writing all the time. Great advice. Uh, actually, one last question dropped in. Ivan White, last, last question. Does winning in a top five place, winning in top five place in a screen screenwriting competition impress you or help the sell it depends the competition there's i think six or seven that are that are recognizable that we know there's mm. uh nichols tribeca sundance uh this uh, there's a couple of other ones that i'm forgetting at the moment so if it's if it's those uh yes if it's from something from nowhere, <laughs> not so much. Right. Uh, yeah, there's 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 few that it matters. Mm -hmm. And you know which ones they are. Yes, and I, yeah. I wish I could remember the other. We screenplay, uh, Austin Film Fest, something else with an S that I'm forgetting that my friend uh, what's her name works on. I can't remember. But yeah, there's 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 very few, very right. few. Yeah. Um, Ron Hatcher, thank you. You're all are great. Love this channel. Thank you, Ron. Trevor Olson, thank you both. Fantastic as always. I agree. You've been great. So great, Chris. I appreciate you coming on. Um, so uh, to everyone out there watching, thank you so much as always. It's been great. We will catch you next Saturday for our uh, Q&A with Stargate and Utopia Fall showrunner Joseph Malazzi. Same time, 11 a.m. Pacific, <clears throat> excuse me, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday the 24th. And follow Chris on Twitter if you're not already. It's at L.A. Chris Coggins. Is that correct? Yeah, mm. Law Chris Coggins. Yeah, I'm more active. Oh, Law. <clears throat> excuse me. I thought it was L.A. as in Los Angeles. Law. It doesn't But yeah, I'm a little bit more active on Instagram. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, I like to promote my friend uh, Matt yeah. Rosen. It's, uh, and I don't follow him yet. Um, it's Rose Guy Twenty One. It's a private account, so I have to tell him. I'm, I have to tell him when I do this. So I just, I think his taste is impeccable, mm -hmm. and he's really super funny. And I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but he gives no fucks, yeah. and he calls people out, and he tells it like it is. But he's also super funny. He's just a cinephile in that like Tarantino way. Oh wow! So follow him on Instagram. I find him entertaining. Rose Guy Twenty One, and I'm going to text him right now to tell him that I'm asking people to follow him. And that's on Instagram. People... Instagram, yeah. Okay. Um, Matt Rosen, where are you? Okay. I'm telling people to follow <laughs> your ID. Because I did it for, um, I was on this, uh, so accept them, so accept them. Um, 
I was on a, a, a panel for Butler University with mm -hmm. a bunch of students that were graduating and I said the same thing. I said, follow Matt Rosen. And he didn't know what it was. Like they did it like right then. And he like rejected a bunch of people. So then I had to tell the oh, professor they should reapply and do the thing. So it's like, wait like half an hour. Oh, there he is, Matt Rosen. <sighs> okay. <laughs> okay, so he's gonna, he's, he's, he'll accept you. Okay. Great. So yeah. So so follow uh, Rose Guy La, twenty one. Ro Rose Guy twenty one on Instagram and La Chris, Chris Coggins, Coggins on Instagram, on, on <laughs> Twitter and Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. All the socials. We'll have Everywhere. links. We'll have links. <laughs> so thank you all. Have a great weekend, and we will see you next Saturday. Thanks. <laughs>